Hey guys, uh, Casey here, post-recording session in the editing room. Just wanted to let you know that every time you hear this sound in the podcast, uh, that means that there is a, it's just basically me getting everything back on track. This is the second time we recorded this episode because the first time there were a slew of technical problems and turns out in this recording there is also a slew of technical problems. So we are going to work on that, obviously get a fix for that. But for this episode, you are going to notice a lot of beeps. But don't worry, nothing substantial, nothing huge. Huge portions are cut out of the podcast. It's just shortened by a few minutes because of all the problems with syncing. I tried my best. I'm very sorry. We will be back on track next week. But enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome back to the Fresh Morning Podcast today. We're going to be talking about why Earl Grey tea is just one of our favorite teas in the large loose leaf collection. Um, Casey, you're a big tea guy. What's your favorite kind of tea without Googling any? Well, um, you know, Earl Grey really is what it's in the top tier, probably top three, if we're being honest. Uh, I do like a good mint tea, uh, and I do like a good uh, Lipton tea. So, uh, Excuse me, did you just say a mint tea? Yes, a mint, not mint tea. It's like spearmint tea, you know. You know what? I hate mint, and I hate you. I don't want to do this freaking show with you anymore. Instead, I want to talk about movies because you have such stupid tea opinions. I hate you so much. <laughs> okay, man. We- so would you would you be up for another topic or like like movies or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Freaking idiot! I'd punch you if I was there in person. I'd punch myself too. That's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mind over movies does not condone domestic abuse in any way, shape, or form. Thank you. Yes, that was just a joke. <laughs> 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 um, how are we on this snow day, Isaac? You dodge. Oh God, we're we're so snowed right now. I'm looking out my window right now, and it's just it's. Pouring snow. Yeah. I mean, is can you say pouring when it comes to snow? Um, that's what it looks like. I guess so. I don't, I don't know. I'd say it's more like a freaking blizzard out there right now. You know, if the big man upstairs uh, has a bucket, <laughs> he's uh, dumping a lot of snow on us. He, he's shaking that bucket of snow on us. <laughs> if, if rain is angel pee, what's snow? Uh... Dandruff. Yeah, I'm thinking dandruff too. Yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> need some better shampoo up in the big house, man. Bro, I've got some in my shower. I'd love to lend them. <laughs> did you uh did you did you manage to catch any movies while we've been uh snowed in through this nuclear winter? I caught one last night, actually. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, Actually, I've caught I've caught two. One was one was for a class though uh, a few days ago. I'll talk about it briefly. Um, hey, if you watch to learn, that doesn't count. You know, that's just not you're not learning the right way. Well, how do you, how do you learn? Um, you teach yourself everything. Like I taught myself the alphabet: A, G, <laughs> K, Y, H. Um. I forgot how the rest goes. Do you want to take the big, big, big talk, talk, boom, boom now? (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, hey, keep working on it though, Isaac. You'll get it eventually. The alphabet. Thanks, it's man. Yeah, it's hard, but um, I watched J Two L L. It's a uh, French, uh, or actually, it's Belgian, I guess, uh, film by uh, Chantal Ackerman, and uh, it is insane, uh, to say the least. Um, it's essentially an hour and a half of watching a woman uh, in despair um, eat sugar out of a bag and and lay around her house completely naked. It's an odd film, and at the same time, even though it is quite boring, it is quite awesome, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> because... These are some... Do what? Opposite adjective. These are some opposite adjectives you're bringing. Yeah, I, I know, I know. It, it's an interesting film. Like, like it is very like boring. But like, like when I was watching it, I was like, oh my god. Like, okay, it's one of these. I'm not really a big fan of like you know super like realist movies, like realism and stuff. Um, but there was like, a, like a viciousness to this movie. There is a. 15 minute long lesbian sex scene um Mm. that is um it's just the camera in two different angles one angle lasts for about eight minutes the other lasts for about five minutes uh and it's a completely still angle watching two lesbians just have sex but it's weird it's not normal sex it's uh it's very uh what's the word here that I'm looking for uh frustrated like they're like both sexually frustrated but not doing anything about it I don't know how oh, so I, it's it's not very gratifying then. yeah yeah which it's it's not supposed to be I, I I don't guess so because um like it's like a it's a, a feminist movie you can view it through like a feminist lens and stuff and um when we were talking in like group, we were like had a group that was talking about it, and one guy was like, uh, said something to the effect of like, I I didn't feel like I should have been watching that, like it would like I was intruding like on them, because um, the the film really flips the male gaze like uh, back onto the viewer and makes makes them uncomfortable, which is why I say it's a vicious film because it's a fifteen minute long sex scene that's not gratifying or sexual or arousing whatsoever it's it's pretty awesome to be honest with you so i I guess that's what i mean but anyway what'd you watch (laughs) oh man i watched um something just as powerful probably with the with a bit heavier of a message um have you ever heard of like the phantom (laughs) menace (laughs) i knew you were about to say that shit um (laughs) oh I love, I do love me some uh, Padme Amidala, fifteen-year-old Padme Amidala. That is. Yeah, I mean, so does Anakin, nine-year-old Anakin. <laughs> it, okay, you know, you... it asks the viewer, "What are you comfortable with? Uh, can a nine-year-old and a fourteen-year-old have sexual chemistry? I mean, <laughs> can they? Um, are you an angel? <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna go do? Please stop. I'm going to, uh... <laughs> I forgot now that you fucking said that. <laughs> My bad. Uh, <laughs> um, no, so... 
I don't know. Go on. Never mind. I can't. Okay. <laughs> Poor Casey's broken. We've been talking about Phantom Minutes all of 30 seconds. <laughs> That's what it does to me. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, it had been a long time since I'd watched um, any of the prequel movies. Like, I think I, re, I rewatched Revenge of the Sith this last year for fun. And that one was not, like, great, as great as I remembered it being. So I was really worried about Phantom Menace, because in my head, for years, like, this movie was, was like, not as bad as people say. Like, you know, oh, it's my childhood Star Wars. Like, this one can be beloved to me, too. Um, but, oh, my God, this movie is a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's dude. A, it's a big turd. I mean... Just, like, talk about hard to follow, um, boring, and, and, and worst of all, like, not very Star Wars-y. Like, I hate when fans use that these days. Yeah, yeah. But, like, The Phantom Menace just is, like, so um, so filled to the brim with, like, politics and, like, kind of racist stereotypes like Watto and, and I would say Jar Jar to an extent that oh, yeah, don't definitely. really land like they're not very funny but they're in the movie like a lot um mm-hmm. and then on top of that you've got like george lucas went 100 percent on the computer generated effects like um, he was having a time yeah and i mean in 1999 mind-blowing probably like you come <laughs> to star wars and you're like oh my god what it what is this madman doing with computers but uh, watching it nowadays, everything looks like, you it's know, like, like oh that... God, what is this madman doing with computers? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the worst play. It's the worst looking PlayStation Two game you can think of, <laughs> with like a slight like graphics mod on it. Like that's how it looks like. Because I mean, some of it holds up. Like the pod racing, especially, still looks good. I would say. Um, oh yeah, the pod racing scene with no music whatsoever. I think that's why people remember Phantom Menace so fondly without having seen it for a while. Is this got really great moments hidden in there? Like the the Darth Maul fight is still really well choreographed. I would say, like I I do like that style that they brought to the prequels. Um, mm. You know, some people say it's emotionless. It looks more like a dance rather than a fight. But like, I don't know. I feel like what they're going for in this movie is like everyone is so trained with the lightsaber like it's a it's a time of discipline and um yeah in rigorous study and maybe i'm thinking of it more than george lucas like actually thought of it but like i think the reason you see luke and darth vader just like hacksawing at each other in empire strikes back is luke doesn't fucking know how to use a lightsaber yeah. like he's been <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly he's been using it all of like three years and, and yoda didn't even finish training him yet so i mean it's it's completely different and i mean also luke is filled with rage each time he encounters darth vader like the only time he wins is when he throws that thing aside and he says like you know what emperor just like kill me already if you're gonna do it because i'm not gonna kill my daddy (laughs) even though i lopped off his arm (laughs) very true yeah, I, I don't know what can be said about Phantom Menace that hasn't already been said. Just that it surprised me this time, just, just how bad it was. Yeah, dude, I, I rewatch um, 
I try to rewatch all Star Wars. It's it's a weird. I watch. I rewatch them like every two to three years, um, and every time I get to the the prequel trilogy, I always go in for some reason thinking like, you know, this cannot be as bad as I remember it being last time. And then I watch it, and it is completely worse than what I remember of it being last time. And it only gets it only gets worse and more uh, more degrading as as I get older. Um, so I'm really scared to uh, watch them again because the last time I saw them was freshman year of college, so which has been a little over three years ago. So I am due for another watching of the Star Wars. So I can't yeah, wait. <laughs> I, just uh, keep your expectations low. Maybe you can face it that way, but I don't know. I don't know what's low enough because I, I, I walked into this one thinking, oh, man, I need to adjust my expectations. And I was still let down. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was like, God, you're making me look a fool, Star Wars. You're making me look silly. <laughs> Made everybody look silly. It's a, it's a silly, what? silly fan base. I'm just kidding. It is. A, I, honestly, um, I love Star Wars fans, but I also freaking hate star wars fans yeah. man yeah i gotta, I gotta like agree. it's about 50 50 on that yeah um are, are you, did, you know uh sorry go ahead i was gonna say you know who also hates star wars uh probably gina carano now oh my god yeah Ooh, i, I forgot about that little tidbit of news um yeah if if you thought that um Otto, the the jewish stereotype and phantom menace is bad just wait till you hear what cara dune of the mandalorian has to say about jews <laughs> uh jamie pull that up um what was the exact i want to i want to read off the exact tweet that uh that was the last straw for them um uh it was like about comparing being conservative today to being a jew in the holocaust like yeah that that was it which uh for for many reasons that uh we probably can't even get into on today's podcast it's just yeah um a bit of a a stretch (laughs) yeah yeah say the least i um i i just here's the thing people the big debate going on with the gina carano thing right now is that is that it's her opinion that you know she she may be right leaning. Uh, nobody should get fired for their political beliefs. Yes, this is true. You should not get fired for your political opinion. But her opinion, in my opinion, <laughs> was straddling over to the to not not a political opinion to just absolute nonsense including the apparently she had boop bop beep in her twitter bio that was basically you know kind of like pronouns and many people thought she was like openly mocking uh trans people and the lgbtq community and also her the other tweets about her not believing in about if masks really worked with the virus uh, and just obviously, you know, a, a really big, um, I guess, uh, in influenced by like the, a bunch of disinformation going on in, in 2020. And, uh, if, if you thought that maybe she wasn't kind of sort of like in like far right leaning, maybe she was just, you know, 
moderately Republican. Um, just look at exactly what she did right after she gets fired. She signs a deal with Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire. Oh God. Um, I mean. I mean, come on. I mean, she just proved every. If you wanted, if you wanted this to be like a, a whole thing about like, uh, you know, cancel culture, stupid, and it's just, it's just a political opinion that you fired me for. Don't go, don't go fucking work for Ben Shapiro. I mean, God bless, dude. That's like the dumbest shit she could have done. So, it. I, I feel like this has happened like a couple times in the past i can't think of any like specific examples right now but like republicans really like to to plead like i'm being fired for for my political beliefs yeah. like it's it's like in their eyes they're saying like i'm being fired because i just said i'm a republican not because i did anything um but in all of these situations especially this situation it's because the party being fired usually eggs on the company hiring them, like yeah. to the point where, like, what else are they supposed to do? Like these social media posts have for months, and I mean, she only owes it to herself that her career is coming to a crashing like halt because they were gonna maybe give Cara Dune a spinoff show, apparently, which I thought was really annoying. Yeah. And let me go on record as saying that I have never really liked the character of Cara Dune, which I know is really easy after a controversy like this. But, like, I always felt like she was half-baked on The Mandalorian and even, like, her, her presence in the end of season two. I'm like, why are you here? Who is friends with you? Like, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I kind of feel the same way. So I'm with, I'm with you there. I didn't enjoy her character. And, and I get that it's so easy, like, after a controversy like this to be like, oh, I never liked her. Yeah. But think of it this way. Now the Republicans who uh, watch Star Wars TV are coming out and being like, Cara Dune was the best character ever. My little girl <laughs> looks up Cara Dune. The fact that they would even... <laughs> God dang, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to stop watching Star Wars. No, <laughs> Shoot. God. There's been like three different points where uh, everyone has said they've got to stop watching Star Wars, and it didn't happen after Last Jedi. It didn't happen after uh, after Disney initially bought Star Wars, and let me tell you, it's not gonna happen now that one conservative crazy nuthead has been fired yeah. from the franchise. Like this is this is a money making machine. Whether oh, yeah. Gina Carano's on board, and honestly, good riddance. Like if you're gonna play stupid games, be prepared to win stupid prizes. I mean, that's the ultimate saying for a reason. And I, I mean, I don't think there's any other way to describe what she did. She just played fast and loose uh, with people's like feelings with genuine information. Like she was spreading disinformation, and I mean. She's pretty much taunting Disney to fire her until they yeah. did. So, I mean, I hope you're happy. Like, <laughs> How many movies do you think are going to be made about the the Trump presidency now that it's finally out of office? Like, how many years do you give it? I, mm, oh God, I give it till like the pandemic ends and then we're going to get, that someone's going to have already filmed a Trump movie mm -hmm. and like, it's going to be marketing like, which actor is playing trump it's going to be pretty much like oscar bait it's like what which actor can really nail his mannerisms um hopefully it's not alec baldwin because uh <laughs> i'm sick and tired of his trump impression dude i i uh, never thought his trump impression was adequate <laughs> i never liked it on like snl no 
I didn't. I just don't really like when celebrities come in and do uh, roles that, like, I think cast members should be able to do. Like, I, I, I never really liked Jim Carrey coming on and, and doing Joe Biden either. Yeah. I'm glad that they both left. I think that the only, um, the only person that I've really liked doing uh, an impression of uh, a political candidate on SNL has been Larry David as Bernie Sanders. And I mean, I think that's perfect just in general because they're cousins. So like, mm-hmm. why not? You know? Yeah. But true. <laughs> everyone else is just kind of annoying to see them come back every week. And I'm, I'm glad they stopped I, doing that. I just hate SNL in general. Like I don't find <sighs> it funny at all. Really? I, yeah. Have you ever found it funny or, um, I may be, a, I may be a sheep, but obviously when, um, like there's the bits. Uh, oh, what's his name? I feel so bad. I forgot his name. He's a legend. Um, he did the the Van Down by the River skit. Oh, Chris Farley. Chris Farley. Yeah, dude. I I I love that freaking skit. I know everybody does, but I like that kind of era of SNL. Like several episodes from then, I really like. But like from like when I I remember watching it, um, even when I was younger, like like when I was like fourteen or fifteen. Uh, it was really bad. Uh, even before then, it was really bad. I think, like, I don't know, like, especially now, like, I just don't find SNL funny, like, whatsoever. I would much rather watch the Eric Andre show on repeat. Yeah. I, I just think it's a. I think I think the Eric Andre show is a, a the hell world of SNL, and I think that it is absolutely hilarious. Um, I think, I don't know, I think Eric Andre is just funnier than every person yeah. they have on SNL. I don't know. And I hate this trend with movies being made with SNL stars that are like comedies and all they're, all they're acting like is their SNL personality. It's so stupid. Well, that's always been like the move with Saturday Night Live movies. Like all the ones that are based on sketches or star like actors from the show have just always been like trying to recapture that Saturday Night Live energy. And there's, like, only a couple times where it's worked out. Like, Wayne's World is probably the only Saturday Night Live movie that I can think of where it actually translated pretty well to a movie. And it translated Mm. so well that I was surprised to find out that it was an SNL sketch. Like, I just thought it was a really funny movie, you know, back (laughs) in the day. I, I had no idea that there was a sketch it was based on. And honestly, Wayne's World, the movie, trumps... I mean, trounces. I don't want to use the word trumps anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Too soon. Um, but Wayne's World movie trounces the sketch, in my opinion. Like, it's just way funnier. Um, yeah. I will agree with you that, like, SNL just isn't as funny right now. And especially, like, the, the, the movies and television shows being made with, like, cast members right now seem kind of half-baked. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think its biggest problem uh, is that reality has become so absurd. Uh, you know, especially in our political spectrum, like this has been a problem since Trump took office. It's just like everything that happens is ridiculous and ludicrous. And SNL, by trying to like relay events as they exactly happened, by trying to spoof real life Mm -hmm. all they're really doing is giving us kind of like a a poorly acted out recap of our week 
And I mean, yeah. sometimes it's funny. Like, I've been watching the show pretty consistently for the past four years. And I think it just kind of depends on, like, the host who comes in or the writers who are doing the sketches. But, like, I feel especially whenever they veer into politics, it's just like, yeah, this is what happened this week. This isn't really funny when you point it out. It, it's, like, the same still. I, yeah. This week was was funny. They had Regina King, who I think is extremely talented. Come, I love her. I love her. She's hilarious. Um, but of course, the 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 show opened up with another, um, you know, political cold open, uh, and you know, like the only bit that I really thought was funny was actually. Um, a clip that used phantom menace because they were making they were kind of like clowning on uh uh, how the trump lawyers were their defense was like you know what it was okay that he says fight because other people say fight and then it was showing clips of like democrats saying fight and then it slowly became like movies like welcome to fight club and like (laughs) other stuff and then the best the best clip was jar jar binks saying gun guns not to die in without a fight (laughs) (laughs) We surrender our case. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's, no, it lands, lands sometimes, Casey. I don't know. It, <laughs> d- it depends on the host. Like uh, I agree. Like like with Saturday Night Live, they're trying to like spoof real life, and like right now, real life does not need any spoofing. It does not need like I guess the whole point to me of SNL is to parody life events, but when real life feels like a parody right now like there's there's not a whole much like a whole lot of more humor you can get out of it by actors uh, doing a skit but i feel like with eric andre he's like he's been he's been you know doing this like longer than the world has been as crazy you know i think he started in like yeah 2014 2015 something like that and uh his stuff is just so rich in like I, I the best way for me to describe it is to call it hell world like he like it's like an alternate reality and uh i think what he does is just like the surrealist humor and it's it gets me like that's my favorite type of humor is what just he does shit that just doesn't make any sense but like makes you laugh your ass off like that's my kind of humor um and i, I can't believe he's been doing it this long and not everybody knows you know like he still gets guests yeah. on there that have no clue what is happening i don't know that, those a, are the best interviews yeah when, when the guest has like no idea what the show is like it's rarer mm-hmm. now but like right you know I, look up like the jeanette mccurdy uh interview oh my god for example like that one's so funny <laughs> i think my favorite interview where the guests did know what was happening was tyler the creator Oh yeah, and, that was awesome. Yeah, and the only reason Tyler knew because that that was when the show was still pretty, you know, not not like old, but it was like n- kind of newer. Um, it only had like a couple seasons, and Tyler the Creator went on, and Tyler knew about the show because Tyler works for Adult Swim because um, he had Loiter Squad and stuff. But that yeah. like the way Tyler interacted with Eric Andre was the funniest thing ever. Like I remember the whole bit about um, he's like. <laughs> if you're like the episode really works best if you're a really big Tyler the Creator fan and you know that he is like a, like a staunch like atheist like he like does not believe in anything <laughs> and Eric Andre just looks at him and goes you believe in God 
And he just <laughs> looks over at him and like a tear like rolls down his eye and he's like, there's your dad. And he like points up at the balcony and there's this like Asian man up there with like, I don't know, he's like playing some kind of instrument. It's like oh, the funniest wow. episode ever. I love it. But uh, yeah, watch Eric Andre, guys. It's on Hulu. No kidding. New season just came mm-hmm. out. I, I got to catch up on that anyway. So Yeah, me too. Bam, bam. Uh, well, so... We uh we want to get into today's topic. I mean, yeah. <laughs> feel, feel crazy, mess around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mess around, find out. Um, today we wanted to talk about filmmaking, actual filmmaking. Um, oh, actual filmmaking. Nah, no, All the other movies we've been talking about. <laughs> it's about Casey's movies, by the way. <laughs> Uh yeah, I just got off of a off of a film set um last weekend doing my uh capstone essentially what is the capstone project um in my college career and it was yeah, that's very nice. exciting yeah it was very exciting Dude, so yeah anyway I, uh... we'll see y'all next week no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so so Casey I mean what um. Can you tell us a little bit about the 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 Capstone movie, like what it's about? Um, you know, kind of what went through your head in making this one, like, and then maybe we can get into the specifics of like the process. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a. Um, I finally decided on the genre. I kept saying different things to different people, but it's a it's a draw. It's a mystery drama, is what it is. Um, it's called Crypsis. Um, it's about uh, two sisters, um, and our protagonist, Dana, is a very talented, uh, intellectual, gifted individual, uh, and she's also a hacker. She's Heckerman, and um, <laughs> her, uh, she, has, um, she has some issues, some like trauma with her mother uh, who disappeared um, out of her life uh, a few years earlier. And uh, her and her mom were pretty close. Her mom basically made her into the person she is today. And the plot we follow is uh, there's like a mysterious sort of organization that uh, blackmails Dana into uh, helping them uh, decipher a, uh, a a puzzle like that that they had that they have been sent. Uh, and when Dana's figuring out the puzzle, she's realizing that. A lot of these clues may lead back to her mother, you know, trying to reach out to her. Um, so the movie's kind of about, it's got some, like, um, cryptography. Like, I was re- like, I was really inspired by, like, a puzzle box, like, channel, where this guy just, and, and, and ARGs, um, it, like, that stuff really interests me. Um, I like building, like, riddles. Like, I like making riddles and, like, making... Uh, things like that i think it's really cool and so uh combine that with the how i just think hacker movies are cool and there's not enough of them uh <laughs> it was basically born this idea damn yeah i i'm into it i i can't wait to see it one i don't i don't know the uh the specifics of the plot yet because it hasn't been released to the public and i didn't work on this one but uh i'm hype uh, I'm down, yeah. but like uh, you've done a couple short films in the past year. You've done this, 
mm-hmm. you've done one that you have now done multiple times uh, called <laughs> Crimes of Good Intentions, um, which uh, I, I'm in, by the way, everyone. Yes. Go check me out when that comes out. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to ask soon. you, you know, we've, we've talked about uh, a director's remaking their work. Uh, you did that very thing this last summer. Yeah. Um, what drove you to, to remake your movie? Um, so, um, I'm sure like half of our listeners at least know that I've worked on this movie twice, um, or maybe they don't, but, uh, in 20, let's see, 2019, like June or July of 2019, Luke and I set out to make our first actual short film away from, uh, school, um, and, uh, well, it's not our, technically it's not our first, but it's our first, you know, like organized short film. We've done a lot of like run and gun, like kind of skit stuff in the past, but I had this idea for like a heist film, like a really like grounded, uh, low, like low scale, you know, heist film. And, um, I wrote, it took, I wrote the script for like, it took me like a year a year and a half to like completely finish the script because I did like six different drafts of it. And, um, Luke actually helped with like the, like the, like with the first one, he has like original story credits because we kind of sat down and like talked about it, talked through it together. And it's kind of an amalgamation of thoughts and ideas. Um, and so we set out to make it and, um, well, uh, this is, and this is no shade or disrespect to my cast and crew of the first one, but it sucked, like, so bad. Um, we had so many problems. Um, just to, like, uh, just appear into, like, one of those problems was on our last day of filming. Like, we shot for four days, and on the fourth day, one of my actors that was supposed to come, his wife's, uh, uh, like, family house, like, her mom's house, like, burned, was burning down, um, and he had to drive all the way to Marshall's. So we had to completely cut like day four of shooting and reschedule a week later. Um, and then in the post-production process, the edit corrupted. So I had to redo the edit. Um, and then it corrupted again. Um, so yeah, by that time I was ready to be done with it, but I, w- I liked the idea so much that I was, and I was so disappointed that it never like, completely got finished that I brought it up to Luke one day. I was like, what if I rewrote the script a little bit? Like I shortened down the script, um, changed it enough to where we wouldn't be doing the same exact thing again. And, uh, and what if we shot it again? And he was all for it. So I was like, okay, cool. And so that's when we cast our actors and, or I rewrote the script first and he liked the newest version of the script, which I think the, this version of the script right now is like peak, uh, for like, uh, reiterate it's or the iteration. best version you've done yeah 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 it's, i can think of the word but yeah it's like it's the best iteration it's the cleanest uh to, in terms of like uh structure and just how everything flows i was really proud of it and so we shot it again and he, we had some hiccups this time um a death in the family actually caused me to stop working on it for a while but i recently like got back in the saddle we did the reshoots that we needed to do on it and uh i am now uh i just i've got a few more scenes to color grade um and then the color is done and then we're going to move on to sound and scoring it and then it'll be done 
And I've actually got a trailer right now um, that I sent off to my composer, and he is going to make the trailer music for me. And oh, that trailer should be out within a week. Well, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's turning out really nicely. Uh, and at the same time, I'm also working on the one I just shot. Um, and I think Crime should be out before Crypsis. Um, I'm not sure on the date. I'm hoping late March for Crimes. It all just depends, though, on a number of things. So, Gotcha. I should wow, also mention dude. it was way more fun to shoot crimes the second time than the first. You wouldn't think it, but it, it was way more exhilarating. <laughs> I mean, you you probably made less mistakes, which has got to be. Um, gotta yeah, that be was a plus. Gratifying. Ugh. Big okay. stretch. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a huge stretch just there. Thank you for noticing. Um, <laughs> also, just looking outside, uh, and it is piling up still oh my yeah. god this is you know i thought it had died down for a second but uh the snow nope. knows no bounds man Mm-mm, man no, this is the most snow i've seen in a few years here in arkansas at least it'll be a little late for this question by the time this podcast comes out but should i call into work today podcast uh answer Ooh. now <laughs> uh, <laughs> donna really wants to call in um yeah, she uh, she should. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what I'm going to recommend to her because you can chill at home, and watch movies all day. Unlisted company. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Redacted. So uh, I have another question for you. If you don't, Shoot. if you don't mind fielding a few more, director. Hey man. Uh, I I know that this might sound familiar to you, maybe because I've asked it to you before, but. Um, you know, when you're when you have the movie in your head versus the movie that's actually being made, like how do you how do you like deal with that discrepancy? You know, like how do you get over the movie that's in your head when you're writing this script and and like actually shoot the movie that's going to be made? You know. Gotcha. Yeah, and this is a good question, and um, I'm going to try to answer it the most clearly as possible as I can. Um, for me personally. And this is like a world, like this is a, um, this is like an issue, or it's not really an issue, it's just like a thing that like all filmmakers everywhere will go through, is uh, especially if you're the writer, um, you have this idea of what the movie's going to look like, of what it's going to like feel like, and you know, the performances you're going to get out of your actors, and uh, when you start shooting 98% of the time, it's it's not going to look anything like you had imagined it. Um, and I've ran into that, especially with Crypsis. Um, it, 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 look, it looks almost nothing like I had pictured. That doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Um, it just means that if you can't... Unless, unless you're a hardcore believer in the, in the auteur theory, where everything is... Everything that is you see on screen is a completely controlled by one person, um, writer, director, producer, actor, even sometimes. Um, then you're gonna know, like, unless you believe in the auteur theory, then you have to know that, like, the, the what's on screen is like an amalgamation of everybody doing their job, and you're really just there to facilitate them doing their job and make sure that your vision is um, at least somewhat close to. 
what you had originally intended. And with Crimes, uh, the second time we shot it, it turned out better than what I had in my head. Um, with Crypsis, I think what was in my head maybe been a little bit too ambitious, but that's not to say it's bad. That's just to say that my like in my process with like uh dealing with that is just is just to like kind of admit the fact that everybody has like wild imaginations um at least most people do for me especially i i get an idea of like oh it's um it's going to be like this like the color's going to look like this and and the actors are going to do exactly this but the truth is you can't like control um everything so easily so for example with the acting with actors um i had my actors do something incredible on crypsis and that was like go beyond what i thought uh the script could and the dialogue could like sound like and and what what their blocking would look like they they went beyond that and it made it so much better and i was okay with it because nobody can read your mind so nobody can really see what you're trying to see like in your eyes when you're filming and that's just something you have to remember uh when when actually going from script to screen um that that nobody's reading your mind and you have to communicate what's in your mind the best way that you can and sometimes yeah it's not going to look like what you imagined it but that is a okay that is 100 percent fine um i think david fincher had a quote in an interview talking about um like film like shooting a film and like what a film is it's it's moments that every crew member is a part of facilitating and creating the actors may do something that is not originally in your script that you had never even thought of that veers off from you know what's on the page but ends up elevating the scene the light you know the light te lighting technician may have or the dp might have a an idea for a shot or like a different way the scene would go and it's not at all what you had pictured and you may be tentative but if you let them do it then it could turn out really good so for me it's always really easy to say to quote, you know, to quote, you say goodbye to the movie that's in my head and say hello to the to the one that's actually being made. Sometimes that's really easy because it it works out for the better. Things things are things elevate and things change. Um, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, things change, <laughs> and uh, normally it's really good. Um, so yeah. I would just say roll with it. I mean, you have to. You can't. I mean, you can like stop everybody and be like, this is not what I want, but chances are sometimes what you want is not as good as what everybody else is going to give you. So I would say roll with it. Nice. Uh, well, there, there's a lot of clippable moments in there. Thanks. <laughs> um, so my final question for you is, uh, you know, for anyone who wants to start making movies, like especially on an amateur level, um, Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for them in starting that process or how they should begin? Like what, what's your best piece of advice for someone who just wants to go out and do it? You know, um, I would say go out and do it. Um, and, but with caution, <laughs> um, 
the best the like the best advice I can give to to amateur filmmakers like myself um, is um, a lot of a lot of what you'll hear and what you'll speak to everybody they'll always ask what your budget is and you don't have to have a budget to make a movie like now in 2021 um, it is easier than like it's like the easiest thing in the world it's the most accessible thing in the world. I'll say that. it's not the easiest thing in the world to make a movie it's not it's hard it's a grueling process it makes you want to die but it's it's the most accessible thing you can do right now or one of the most accessible things is shoot a movie because right now you can literally shoot a movie with your phone if you have an iPhone or even just a smartphone you can uh, you can shoot a movie um you don't need to have a budget I will say, if you have a budget, make sure that budget goes to the right places, um, and don't you know focus it all on uh, one thing. That was that's been my mistake three different times now, um, and I'm just now getting over that that hurdle. Um, and I would say, if you think your film is going to be bad, um, do it anyway. Like shoot it anyway. You got to start somewhere. Not everybody's first movie is going to be you know, a masterpiece or perfect unless you're, um, Orson Welles. Um, but he was a special case, uh, yeah. and a trust fund boy, I'm pretty sure. So, um, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but especially in Arkansas where, where the, where the, um, where the industry is not here at all. It's so hard to find inspiration to or, or find backing you know to to make a movie and uh really it's you just gotta you gotta put your big boy pants on and just and do it yourself like literally arkansas filmmaking is just diy filmmaking you you have to there's not a whole lot of resources here which sucks um but if you have the passion if you have the drive if you have just you know the the force of will to to want to make movies, uh, then you will make a movie. Um, and it doesn't matter if your first one's bad. My first one's bad. Actually, my first like three are bad. Um, I would consider Crimes and Crypsis to be good. I'm gonna call them good. I also like Treasons and Chili, my other one that's on YouTube. I'm really proud of that one. But okay. you know, I've made several several like short films, and they're pretty much all bad. But when you make a good one, it is the most exhilarating feeling in the world. And in fact, even if you make a bad film, it's so exhilarating because you actually made something and you put it out there. Uh-oh. And that takes a lot of – a lot of uh, – because filmmaking is an exhilarating like process. Um, and it, there's nothing – for me, if you, if you love, love film and you like making film as much as me, it's always going to be – just the most fun experience and and such a such a rush such a high um, making a film from pre-production to all the way till it's finished and post it's it's pretty awesome um you don't need anything fancy to make a movie if you want to make a movie just go make a movie and eventually you will you know you, you'll you'll get the funds to to get better and better that's what happened to us you know we started out with a really crappy camera and then we got a budget and we got a good camera we got some good lights we got decent sound went out and shot a couple movies with it and then uh, f- uh, for my capstone project I actually used the 
for the first time I used the school's equipment because we got to mess with like really, really, really good equipment. And so nice. um, Crypsis is going to look super good. <laughs> like it's going to look very good. And I'm very uh, proud of that. Um, um, and also, uh, if you're wondering, I'm just going to throw this out there. You don't need to go to school for filmmaking. You really don't. After my four years, I figured out, yeah, I learned a lot. But I, I learned just as just as much from uh, YouTube, to be honest with you. Um, and really, what does that say about Arkansas's uh, film uh, oh, man. programs and stuff? But don't let Kill that em. discourage you from going to college because you meet a lot of people. You meet, like, contacts, and you can develop relationships with really talented people. I go to school with some really talented people, and I'm very excited to see the other films being made this semester, to be honest with you, because... I read the scripts, and <laughs> there are some really good ones. I'm thinking mine's probably going to be the worst one, <laughs> honestly. Um, oh, God. But, but yeah, man, just just that's that's my advice is to just do it because that's the only way you're going to learn from your mistakes. That's the only way I learned from mine. Um, I thought I could watch. I thought I could just go to school, watch all the YouTube videos, and be like, "All right, time to make a good movie." But really, the only way you learn what's what works and what doesn't, and what's um, What's good, what's bad is if you do it and you learn from your mistakes. I learn, I learn at least three things every time I shoot a film. Um, so yeah. I, uh, yeah, I read a quote on Reddit the other day. This isn't going to add much to what you've already said, but um, you know, it said, "Don't be afraid to look foolish as a beginner, because it allows you to become graceful as a master." So like, you right. know, just don't worry when you start out learn you know you got to live and learn a little bit you can't just pick up everything from like secondhand knowledge you have to make some mm -hmm. mistakes firsthand and you know that's how i've learned most things in my life the best way and uh you know i i hate to say that mistakes are the only way you can learn something but you know the the hard way often does end up being the way that sticks more you know yeah yeah and no, uh, i agree and nobody's so, going mean, to be judging you super hard on your first film. Like, obviously, like you can't expect everybody to – like, nobody's going to criticize you super hard. Like, that was my problem. I was like, oh, my God, this has to be perfect or everybody's going to hate it. Like, everybody just wants to support, you know, or most people, at least your friends and family should, like, support you um, in that. You know, somebody will support you. Somebody understands, you know. Yeah. You know, so, I, uh, I've – I've done, <laughs> I haven't done, like, actual films like you, but, like, you know, back in the day, we whipped the old flip phone cam, the flip uh, camera out. And, oh, uh, yes, the flip and camera. shot some films with that thing, um, and I don't know, like, I, I wasn't making real movies or anything, uh, but, you know, like, even though those movies are bad, uh, you know, they were never really meant to be all that great, and... And, you know, I, I had fun and I learned along the way anyway. And my family, you know, likes to bring them up on YouTube every now and then and watch them. And I mean, that's the appeal. Like, even if you go out and you make something that's not like a work of art, like, fuck it. You, if you have like a decent family or a decent set of friends, they'll support you anyway. And, you know, yeah. you can worry about making your masterpiece later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I watched actually a really interesting video essay on YouTube uh, this week called uh, Don't Touch the Fish. 
Um, yes, yes, I did, love did that. You saw video. that? Yes, yes. Yeah. So it was so cool. It was talking about student filmmaking, and it compared it to like uh, sushi making in Japan. You know, like mm-hmm. how we should approach it. Um, so like in Japan, uh, sushi chefs. You know, first they gotta they gotta just learn how to uh, to cook the rice. You know, that's like mm-hmm. their one thing. They've got to master that skill for years and years. Um, and then, like, I think you become allowed to, like, touch the fish once you've really mastered, like, the rice and wringing the, like, towels. And then you can, like, maybe come up with new recipes, like, decades down the line. Like, you don't become, like, a bona fide chef overnight. Like, that progression doesn't happen you have to master the fundamentals before you can move on and so the the thesis of the video was like uh just don't shoot for the moon in your first movie like don't don't shoot like interstellar whenever you're trying to make a student film or like a a a war movie you know do something that you know that's grounded that you can actually Mm -hmm. accomplish and master the fundamentals and then go out there oh my god people are going out in the snow Ah, you guys are gonna be cold (laughs) (laughs) yeah i agree i agree with you though um definitely have to especially when the writing process write what you know write what's at your disposal uh, write write what will write write what you're interested in scale it down to what is available and to what is is uh achievable you know with your resources yeah that's, I mean, that's some pretty standard, like, rooted in success advice right there. Just, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know too many people who'd argue with that. Yeah. And that's not to say don't be ambitious. Cause I, I've definitely been ambitious, but... Um, try try and check yeah, yourself, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. Can I do this? <laughs> yeah, don't, true. Yeah. Don't set yourself on a path that you can't follow up with, I would say. Yeah. I agree. Um, so we, we've kind of hit time, but like, I just want to say like, if anyone has made like any short films or they have any art they want to share, please hit us up at the Twitter or the Mm -hmm. the newly formed Instagram page, um, which we have up. What, what is that, uh, username mind underscore? Yeah. Mind underscore over underscore movies. Yeah. Pretty simple. Oh, yeah, and we're and we're mind over movies too on Twitter. No underscore mm-hmm. is required. Please share us. I mean, share with us what you've made. Uh, we're mm-hmm. not going to be jerks. Nope. We, uh, we just want to see it. I think that's yeah. dope. I did, yeah, I did too. I love watching other people's like shorts and stuff and uh, um, what other people make. I think it's fascinating um, that people are as creative as they are, and so. Mm-hmm. If you got anything drop it we just want to see it support support local filmmaking that's my number one thing especially in arkansas because arkansas sucks for the the industry they don't let anybody film over here and they don't fund the arts and it's really crappy so we we want to showcase your art <laughs> um see so- so before we tune out, uh, Casey, would you like to tell us where we'll be able to watch uh, crimes with good intention, crimes of good intentions, and uh, Cripsis? Where will those yeah. be available? Oh, sorry, I yawned. Um, so <laughs> you're good. Uh, I had to get my stretch in earlier. 
um, so let's see. Jesus in Chile, which was my uh, film that I did last year, is on YouTube on the channel that I upload the podcast on, which is Casey Hubbard. Um, and Crimes will be available on that same YouTube channel. And so will Crypsis. Um, don't have specific dates for those yet, but it's very soon. Um, so probably when the trailer releases in a week or so, I'll have a set date. But, uh, yeah, it'll be on the YouTube channel, Casey Hubbard. Go check them out. Go check out Cheez-Its and Chili if you haven't. I'm really, I'm, I like that one a lot. I'm really proud of that one. Dope. Uh, and now's a good time to mention that, uh... The snow is is creeping through my door and filling up my living room. I think I'm oh. going to freeze to death now. Okay. Oh, God. Well, maybe see you next week, Casey. Okay. Okay. Uh, stay warm. Okay. I don't know if I can. Oh, God. Okay. Oh. What's that sound? Why is it? Oh, my God. Are you? Oh, no. Oh, no.